we're supposed to live in a society with 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 free markets, but like, how can our markets be free when when the very thing that allows markets to function is not free? You know, there's no price discovery. Like, I, I go to the grocery store, prices are right. Like, I'm sorry, but there's inflation. Like, they can tell me there's no inflation. There's freaking inflation, and I'm seeing it happen. <laughs> Welcome to Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. My name is Alex, and today my guest is Brecky von Bitcoin. And if you don't know who he is, he is one of the greatest all-time meme makers in Bitcoin. Uh, he works over at Swan Bitcoin, and uh, yeah, he's just absolutely fantastic. Has a great grasp on uh, what Bitcoin is and and trying to educate people. So you know, our our values are aligned in a very similar way as far as um, really trying to get people to understand Bitcoin. This is something that he talks about in the conversations, like the difference between owning Bitcoin and being a Bitcoiner. Uh, being a Bitcoiner is about moving towards self-sovereignty it's looking at the world uh you know through the eyes of personal responsibility with low time preference and really having hope for the future and uh yeah i found it'd be a pretty exciting inspiring conversation um on saturday i was able to meet with lynn Ulbricht, who is ross Ulbricht's mom and he is currently in prison in tucson serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating the Silk Road, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Like he got a, a worse sentence than El Chapo did. And that guy is, you know, just insane, you know, murdering people all over the place. Um, but yeah, uh, Ross has been in for about seven and a half years. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, I, you know, in many ways is kind of an inspiration for me as far as, uh, you know, really taking liberty into his own hands and uh, using tools that are censorship resistant and uh, yeah, really doing some cool stuff with the Silk Road. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of drama around what really happened um, that's getting misrepresented. But, you know, what's apparent in this is the FBI was corrupt and uh, it was bad. But yeah, if you want to, you know, learn about the story, go check out freeross.org and uh, there's a petition you could sign to try and help him get clemency. And he really is a pioneer in the Bitcoin space, so I highly encourage you to go check it out. But yeah, anyways, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brecky. It was great. Um, yeah. Alrighty, we're recording. Good to have you on, Brecky. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for the invite, Alex. Good to be here. Glad to hear there's a, a, a thriving Bitcoin community out in Tucson. Yeah, Bitcoin's growing in Arizona, I think you know, give us a couple of years and we're going to give Austin a run for their money. <laughs> really excited. Um, but yeah, so, so you work over at Swan, which is, you know, probably the best way to buy Bitcoin. Uh, how did you get started over there and uh, what, what is Swan all about? Sure. Well, I would definitely agree that Swan is the best place to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> um, I got started over there actually because just living in LA, I was introduced to Corey, uh, one, of, one of Swan's founders. Um, at the time, I was working for um, you know a, a smaller like company that worked in like the trading space um, in crypto and Bitcoin things like that. But I really wanted to eventually work somewhere that was Bitcoin only, um, and so I, I came on as an advisor to give Bitcoin, which isn't around anymore, but was kind of the precursor to Swan. Um, and then, uh, when Swan came about, Corey was hounding me and it was the right time. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's help build Swan. So it's, uh, it's been a wild ride. We've, I've been there about, um, I think I've been there over a year now. Um, and Swan 
as you said, is the best place to buy Bitcoin. But basically, we we make we started off trying to make it really easy to dollar cost average into Bitcoin automatically. You know, we've got lower fees than Coinbase and Cash App. Um, we've got real people and customer service that you can talk to. We basically wanted to kind of see it, but we saw all the things that were being done uh, poorly in at places like Coinbase. And we were like, all right, we're going to do this the Bitcoiner way. Um, and that's what we did. So now you can, you know, we are, the core of our product is still, you know, automatic dollar cost averaging, but you can buy instantly. And, you know, we, we put a real emphasis on education as our marketing, you know, we're, we're all about, um, minting new, new Bitcoiners and, and just helping to spread the good word about Bitcoin. So it's a, it's a fun time over as well. Yeah. Your guys's education is amazing. And I find myself watching Swan Signal pretty regularly. Um, really enjoy it with all the stuff that Brady's doing over there. Um, but yeah, the, one of the things that I love about Swan, all of you guys are real Bitcoiners. Um, how, how is that working for a company and being a Bitcoiner? Because you are um, still impacted by the regulators and, and the fiat world uh, that is not always very Bitcoin friendly. Um, so yeah, what's yeah. that like? I mean, I don't think it's been that difficult for us. Um, you know, our product is is pretty simple. All, all we do is sell Bitcoin. Um, in, you know, like if it was the early days, it would be different, but you know, there are crypto friendly banks now, um, Bitcoin friendly banks. Um, and, you know, we, we've, we've just evolved as time has gone by, you know, like there was definitely a demand for, um, you know, our automatic service and people, you know, were, were uh, demanding instant buys and we were always going to do that anyway. And so we brought that in, but, uh, you know, regulations wise, you know, because uh, we use Prime Trust for our um, our custody and um, partially for like providing liquidity as well. And because of that, we're able to operate in, in all 50 states and territories and, um, you know, we're open internationally for wire transfers. So it, uh, it in terms of regulations, it's, I don't, there aren't really any issues there. Um, and, you know, as we've all been seeing, you know, the world has become friendlier and friendlier to Bitcoin. You know, there's still those people, you know, hammering on about energy and whatnot, but, uh, you know, the world's waking up to Bitcoin. So it's, it's a good time to be in a Bitcoin business. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, we just see one crazy news story after another of really bullish Bitcoin news. Um, you know, one of the, one of the biggest concerns, like when I, especially when I'm talking to boomers about Bitcoin is that the, the government can shut it, it down or, or that's what they think. Um, what, what do you think about that? Um, and, and why can't Bitcoin be stopped? Yeah, I mean, it, it is tough trying to get people to understand what makes Bitcoin Bitcoin, right? Um, like I've been dealing, I, I think my dad is finally over that hump now, um, but he was in that camp. He's like, oh, well, you know, the US government can just shut it down. You know, they want to. And, you know, obviously that's not the case. Um, and I think it's, it's, it comes down to education and, 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 not just getting people to buy Bitcoin, but getting them to understand Bitcoin, you know, and understand what decentralization means, you know, even, you know, showing them examples about, you know, in countries like, you know, I think the Turkey banned it recently, or they banned exchanges, you know, like they can try to ban the on-ramps and off-ramps, but like it doesn't affect Bitcoin the network. And, you know, when people finally realize that, I think, I think they get it. It just, you know, like a lot of things, it, it, it takes time, you know, you we do something on our um, Swan Lounge show called, um, we call it Swan Force Fridays. And I ask every guest to do a, a, 
a 60 second Bitcoin pitch. And it's kind of unfair, you know, it's like, you know, how can you pitch Bitcoin in just 60 seconds? You know, it, how, how long did it take us to, to really develop our, our conviction and really understand Bitcoin? It could take years, you know, it could, it could take a long time. So um, I think it's just about continually bothering people, you know, in, in a way, not bothering them, but like, you know, speaking to them in, in ways that make sense to them. Like, I'm not going to send my dad a meme from the, the pleb army on Twitter, right? Like that's, she's going to confuse him, you know, but if I talk to him in terms of like, you know, monetary policy and, you know, explain what decentralization means and, and how there are miners, you know, all over the world and how the pools are, um, you know, the pools don't necessarily control the hash power. Like, like once you got to take it a couple steps, you know, a few steps at a time, but just keep trying. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it, it is really fun to have this conversation. I forgot to mention Swan Lounge. I love that show as well. That's oh, a great one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really we, fun we, we have fun. We don't do like these, uh, you know, these AR filters on, uh, on, on Swan Signal, but here, here on Lounge and other podcasts, we put on the laser eyes, the glasses, uh, you know, we do all sorts of fun stuff. So. After we're done recording, I might have to go into my settings and tweak around <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, well, I'll get you some laser eyes at the end of the show for sure. Oh, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what was your Bitcoin journey like? I know it. there's been a lot of different, I mean, you're, you're a recovering shitcoiner as a, am I, as is yes. most people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what's your journey been like? Um, let's see. I, I, I first bought two Bitcoins in 2013 at the top of that cycle, right at the top. And then we crashed down to like $200 or something like that. And I became a hodler. I didn't know what the word hodl was. I didn't know what a blockchain was, but I'd gotten into Bitcoin because I I think I heard about it first because of the Rolling Stone article about Silk Road. Um, and I was in college and everyone was talking about Bit this Bitcoin thing. And I'd been a gamer and I understood like the idea of, of you know, digital money, like e-gold, like it just made perfect sense. I'm like, yeah, of course there's going to be like a, a, a cryptocurrency and that's what we're going to use. Um, and I was also headed to uh, Moscow to study abroad. Um, and I thought to myself like, okay, you know, maybe I should get some of this Bitcoin thing in case I'm in Russia and I can't access my bank. Like at least I'll have Bitcoin. And, you know, granted I, I bought it on Coinbase, so I'm still using a centralized service and I didn't hold my own keys. So I really didn't control my Bitcoin and I didn't understand it, but I was, I was getting like, I was headed in the right direction. You know, I kind of understood the value prop of Bitcoin as a money that no one can take away from you. Um, unfortunately, you know, when we crashed, I kind of forgot about it. And I was like, all right, I'll just sit on this until, until it comes back. And I, like, I didn't panic sell. Like, I, I never understand panic selling. It never makes sense to me. Um, and then I, like many people, got caught up in shit coins kind of in 2016, 2017, and that, during that crazy run up. And I still hadn't done my, uh, my Bitcoin research. You know, I, I had kind of made a foray into social media at the time, make, like making fun of all the crypto influencers. Um, that's kind of where I got my start. I'd make these like parody videos and things like that. And um, eventually, um, I always shout him out, but Crypto Humor, uh, he's a guy on, uh, on Instagram. He's on Twitter too, Happy Shilmore on Twitter. Um, he DM'd me. He was like, dude, your memes are hilarious, but like, you don't know what the 
F you're talking about. Like you really, really need to learn about Bitcoin. Like stop promoting these, like talking about these shit coins. Like, and granted, I hadn't done my research on the shit coins either. I was just like caught up in the excitement and I saw like Brock Pierce speak and he gave this inspirational speech, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, crypto. And, you know, obviously I later realized how, just how wrong I was. Um, so shout out to him and, uh, you know, to Marty Benton, Matt O'Dell. I started listening to Tales from the Crypt. Um, and I think just through osmosis, after listening to, to TFTC, like rabbit hole recap for a number of months, it just finally clicked. Um, you know, I read the Bitcoin standard and, you know, at that point it was game over. I just kind of went all in and really started studying Bitcoin and trying to, you know, make up for lost time. Um, and around that time, I was, I think I was finishing film school and I had made a movie and I really hated working in the film industry. And I was like, all right, I got to work in, in, at the time in crypto and then eventually Bitcoin. Um, so I um, got connected with um, my former company. Um, I, they were, they're LA based also. And, you know, I did some good work for them and kind of uh, proving myself there really kind of led to me, I think, getting my job at Swan. Um, so for anyone out there who thinks that making memes can't get you a job or just being creative can't get you a job, it's false. Memes can get you jobs. Obviously the job is more than memes, but. No, the memes are super powerful. I mean, Strike's been hiring meme makers as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, you have an interesting take on propaganda. Um, what what do you define propaganda as? I, I know in our culture, it has like a very negative connotation, mm -hmm. kind of synonymous with brainwashing. Um, but what can you explain your take a little bit on what it sure. is? Sure. I mean, that's not wrong per se. You know, I think it, it it's influencing people to think a certain way or to take a certain action, you know, through media, through, um, you know, could be memes, videos, books, every everything is propaganda even like recording a video of yourself and putting it out on twitter like it can be propaganda you know it's it's advocating for a cause or, or something like, like that you know um but i don't think it's necessarily bad it's just we've come to see propaganda as bad because whenever we're made aware of it it usually is bad like i don't know think of like a soviet propaganda for example right like you think of those signs and oh like it's like screams of communism and communist utopia and you like like you'd see the artwork and their old videos. And as an American, let's say, for example, you're just like, oh, disgusted. That's just clear propaganda, blah, blah, blah. You know, but you go to the movies and you see a movie like Saving Private Ryan or like Battleship that came out recently, right? Like that's American propaganda. You just, we've been conditioned not to think of it about it. Or, you know, when you see it and it's your own country, for example, it's, it's patriotism but it's propaganda. Like those movies go out to the rest of the world and they show the soft power of the United States. And most uh, in, in, for most of these films where like you see like Black Hawk Down, okay? Like they've got those Black Hawk helicopters. They're not cheap. They're expensive to use, to rent. Like they do, they're able to do that because they have, they, they're, they're in partnership with the US government. Like the military knows that by, by they don't have to send their, their uh, you know, their, um, what's it called? Um, their, uh, shit, what are the giant boats called? The aircraft carriers, there you go. You don't have to actually send your aircraft carriers across, halfway across the world sometimes. You can send a movie 
that reaches theaters and everyone in, in those theaters sees, oh, that's American power. Let's not screw with America. You know, so it's it all there's hard power, which is like the actual uh, ships. And then there's a movie about ships and that's soft power or like Coca-Cola going out across the world. That's that's soft power, too, for America. Um, so but it, as it relates to like Bitcoin, let's say, um, I'm firmly in the camp that marketing is important, not necessary to the long term success of the Bitcoin network, but something that I, I don't think a lot, enough Bitcoiners delineate between is the difference between the success of Bitcoin, the network, and the, and the success of, of people adopting Bitcoin, of Bitcoiners. You know, I think on a long enough uh, time horizon, Bitcoin is going to win. Bitcoin is the hardest, soundest money we've ever seen. You know, and it doesn't matter what all these shitcoin shenanigans are doing. Like in 500 years, we're going to be on a Bitcoin standard. But what happens in the next 100 years? Like we could waste a lot of time on shitcoin shenanigans because people, you know, are misled by marketing, by propaganda. And so to the Bitcoiners out there who are like, no, we don't have to worry about this. We don't have to worry about marketing. Yeah, if all you care about is the Bitcoin network continuing to function, no, we don't have to worry about this. But if you care about your friends and your family and everyone you love and all the people in, you know, in parts of the world that are living under, under tyrants and horrible regimes, if you care about them adopting Bitcoin and benefiting from it sooner than later, then yeah, I think marketing and propaganda is incredibly important and we should be doing everything we can to spread the good word about Bitcoin. And that doesn't mean that we lie, but it means that we can, we create media, we create, we use tactics that get people's attention, that get people to wake up and pay attention. So anyway, there's my, my propaganda rant. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. I mean, since I started the podcast, I've been offered uh, money to shill shit coins or to even list my own token. And I think that <laughs> is, you know, extremely harmful uh, to one, my local community, if I'm going to get out there and be, you know, shilling something that isn't very helpful to them. Um, and then two, like you said, it's just a, you know, distraction from what's really happening that's important right now with Bitcoin. Um, so Bitcoin has an ethos of like Austrian economics and, and freedom, cutting out the middleman. Uh, why do you think that's so important right now, especially? I mean, just look out at the world around us, you know, like the the money printers keep going burr and they don't seem like they're stopping anytime soon. So it's, you know, what was the quote in the white paper? I quoted on the show the other day, um, basically like when Satoshi was talking about all the trust that's required to run the system, you know, and we're constantly seeing breaches of those trusts. We're seeing it now, you know, like Biden's going to print another or he's gonna, yeah, another three trillion or something like that, some crazy number, like it, it, it's just absurd. Um, and so, I don't know, we, we just, we need Bitcoin now more than ever. Like it, it's like, it, it's come to a head and I, I don't see it getting better from a government standpoint. You know, once, once there's nothing more uh, permanent than a temporary government solution, right? So it's, it's just gonna keep escalating and, Luckily, we have Bitcoin. So I think Bitcoin, like people will continue to adopt it. They're going to continue to sort of see this light as, you know, unfortunately, as the governments around the world, you know, debase their currencies and, and do make short-sighted decisions. You know, Bitcoin is, is like ultimate low time preference. It's ultimate being long-sighted, far-sighted, you know. And so, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully things... 
don't get too bad, you know, like, I don't know, like people always criticize Bitcoiners for like cheering on the end of the world. And I think that's false. I think like what we're actually rooting for is, is the hope that Bitcoin provides, you know, it's, it's the solution to the, to the pre-existing problems that are just getting worse. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, bad things happen when currencies fail. And I think that's pretty apparent. Um, just looking at human history, the the one thing that, you know, really strikes me as uh, very odd that's happening right now is how people are so that like the general person is so unaware of how problematic the money printing is. You know, we've seen inflation for years um, and felt inflation. And, you know, you can I, I think that like the social unrest that we see is directly correlated to that inflation, the wealth inequality that that makes people unhappy um, because they're priced out of basic goods and services. And, um, you know, they're watching people get rewarded for destroying economic value rather than create it. And, uh, you know, it, it's breeding a lot of division and unhappiness. And I think Bitcoin stands in the way of that, of creating a much fairer system um, mm -hmm. with yeah set rules um but yeah it's it's interesting so you've made some great memes making fun of steve mnuchin and uh, christine <laughs> lagarde um and i think that's you know what we really need right now is is to show people how ridiculous this is um i mean so yeah i, I definitely agree i think more people should get out there and try to do that i uh like one of my my probably one of the biggest influences for me growing up and part of the reason why I got into the film industry um, was, was Mel Brooks, you know, like seeing something like um, the producers and like, I'm Jewish. So like seeing like Hitler made fun of in such a ridiculous way, like is incredible, you know? And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that like, we need to ridicule these people. We need to, to make, turn them into a joke because it takes away their power. You know, if every time, if everyone, every time Christine Lagarde tweets something ridiculous and somebody like takes one of my videos and replies, like, that's just a, that's just a win for us. That's a win for everyone. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I think humor can be an incredible tool and it's why, and you, you even look at like, like, look at communist countries, look at, uh, at like, um, tyrannical regimes, like in places where, where they have a very firm hand over the media like what do they get rid of a lot of it's they get rid of satire like satirists are some yeah. of the first people to go because it's so powerful it, it, it just it cuts to the heart of like of the the illusion of of power that these these tyrants can have so it's uh it's important yeah i'm uh i'm work i was before i hopped on here I, i'm in the planning stages for another parody um usually i do them and it's kind of spur of the moment and they're not that well planned out i just sort of do them and see what happens but uh i'm going to be lampooning roger ver um <laughs> a buddy of mine a great bitcoiner uh shout out to brett morrison he basically said you got to do roger um and he he wants to like bring roger back into the fold and i don't think that's possible anymore i think like, he's too far gone um and roger's one of those people that like I thought was a, a really great Bitcoiner back in the day. Like I thought he was doing great things and I was sad to see his sort of, you know, fall into whatever you want to call this, this, I don't know. Anyway. And so I'm going to do a full Mia culpa. 
basically Roger apologizing for everything that he's ever done wrong, for attacking Bitcoin, for all the lies. And I want it to be like a maybe a, I don't know, we'll see if I can find a video that works, but like a five to 10 minute video. And I'm going to nail that stupid Kermit the Frog voice of his. I'm going to get it perfect and uh, hopefully rid ridicule him to such a degree that who knows, maybe, maybe he'll stop with his, uh, his anti-Bitcoin tirade. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really interesting. If you go back and you listen to Roger Veer early on, like he was very compelling. And that's the thing that, you know, really shocks me with him is, is the direction that he took. Um, could you go into a little bit of the, the history of what happened with Bitcoin Cash, uh, forking off of Bitcoin, that whole ordeal? Uh, I can go into it a little bit. That was kind of like right when I was getting back into things. So I was like, <laughs> at the time, I was still shitcoining at the time. So I was just like, oh, wow, I've got uh, cash in my Coinbase account. <laughs> um, and I sold it like immediately. So that was a good thing. But, um, you know, for at a general level, there was a disagreement about how Bitcoin should scale. And, you know, there was a group of people who thought Bitcoin should scale with bigger blocks. Um, and then there was the, the group um, that, is Bitcoin and remains Bitcoin that realized that no, this is not sustainable. Um, and I'm oversimplifying things. There was a lot of other things that were, you know, being discussed and, and fought over at the time. Um, but you know, we've we've since come to see that Bitcoin, like many uh, techn technology stacks, needs to scale in layers because. Let's say you do have bigger blocks, you know, eventually those blocks will get full too, and then what do you do? Get even bigger blocks. So you know, thankfully we've reached a point now where um, some of these scaling solutions like liquid and lightning are really coming into their own. Um, you know, like I remember the, I ran a lightning node back like when lightning first came out and I had no idea what I was doing. And I think I lost a bunch of Bitcoin uh, being reckless. Um, and, you know, there was very little documentation and it, it was just a very, it was a big if, you know, it wasn't uh, yes, it, it's working. And now it's, it's a yes, it's working. Like lightning is, is crushing. Like lightning yeah. ga gaming is super cool. Um, I'm seeing more and more people running nodes than I've ever seen in my entire life. Like shout out to Umbral. Like it's, uh, it's super exciting. And I think for certain use cases also liquid is exciting, you know? Um, so I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm here for it and glad we've uh, put the block wars uh, behind us. Yeah, I, I'm waiting impatiently for Guy to finish narrating the Block Wars book or Block Size Wars book. Uh, I, I, that's didn't know he, I didn't know he's doing that. I uh, Do I have it here? I started reading it and I'm going to finish it, but uh, I left it out and I have a new dog and he he destroyed it. So I think he's a big blocker. But, uh, <laughs> that's all right. I, it's still readable, so I, I don't have an excuse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's always hope for shit coiners. We'll we'll uh, walk you know back. Maybe my dog was just uh, angry with the big blockers, and he was letting out his rage. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, that I think that's a better <laughs> one. So yeah, so Bitcoin scaling. So you you said you were pretty bullish on Lightning. Um, what what do you see that's happening right now in Lightning that's really exciting? I mean, like the most fun things that are happening, I think. Are in the world of gaming you know like every once a month there's a, a mint gox tournament uh, mint gox organizes basically like this esports e tournaments for um all these different lightning games that have come out like <clears throat> for anyone who plays csgo like zebedee is this company that has an app called infuse that basically lets you you know scan a qr code pay a thousand sats join a a csgo server and like 
you play CSGO and depending on how you play, you can lose sats or gain sats. And it's, 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 it's seamless. It's awesome. Um, you know, there's other games coming out, there's light night. Um, so gaming, I just think is, is one of the bigger Trojan horses that, you know, with, with an, with a couple of games that, that are just on par with, um, games that are already out there, but that don't have Bitcoin, you know, to me, imagine, imagine like a version of Fortnite and a version of Fortnite that has Bitcoin. Like, wouldn't you rather play a version and, and all other things equal, right? Wouldn't you rather play a version where, you know, you can win actual Bitcoin? So to me, like that, that once people catch on to this and once some of the games develop a bit more, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a no brainer. And I think it's going to help get a lot of people into Bitcoin. Um, in terms of other things in Lightning, you know, there are some valid criticisms that like, oh, a lot of people aren't using Lightning for buying things and spending, but like, you know, we're also seeing some really cool to like uh, experiments with circular economies, like Bitcoin Beach, like there was a, you know, a thread that was going around recently for this um, uh, fundraiser to like kind of start a surf center there in honor of the surfer who, who sadly died. Um, but this community down in El Salvador, like, is, is running on lightning now. And it, and it was an experiment. And I think there was a guy who was sort of funding it himself at first to get it going, but now it is going, you know, and to me, that's really exciting. So I, I'd love to see that replicated in other places in in, you know, kind of places like, like El Salvador, but like in South America, we, had a, we did a show yesterday, um, kind of talking about the situation down in Colombia. Um, and, you know, everyone's excited about lightning um, and the tools are getting there. Like I, I said earlier that I was running a node before and it was, I, it was, I didn't know what I was doing. I was basically like using the command line, but I can't code. So I really I had no idea what I was doing. I was asking friends for help. And now like I'm running Umbral and I'm using like, right, right. The lightning and, and, and thunder hub to like manage my channels. And, you know, I'm on telegram in various groups with people who I have channels with. And like, we're just building these communities around liquidity and, you know, self-admittedly, like, I'm still learning lightning. I'm still learning how to manage channels. Um, and it is, it is at a very nascent stage, but I think lightning is, is the future. I think, you know, people are going to be providing liquidity on lightning and making real money, you know, down the line and we will be buying coffee with lightning. So it's, uh, it's a good time to get, to get in on it. I think, you know? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think it's one of the most exciting things happening right now. I mean, from a content creator standpoint, I've got my podcast on Sphinx and mm -hmm. uh, it's sweet when somebody listens to the podcast and streams me some sats. And it's also a lot of fun to go and, you know, support other podcasters and send them sats. And it's just, you know, it's great. It cuts out the need for, um, you know, advertisers, which creates conflicts of interest and, um, it cuts out the need for, you know, gatekeepers in the same way, like, you know, YouTube or, or whoever and all of their crazy rules. But, um, yeah, it, the gaming aspect of it is super interesting. Um, it, it's just, you know, the amount of money that people spend on stupid stuff for video games, like skins and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that, um, versus like being able to earn Bitcoin uh, with it and then use it in kind of an open, Bitcoin's an open network, you know, so you could be transferring money into the game to use or transferring out to use in real life. And that's, that's huge. Cause you can't do that with your world, world of Warcraft gold. Um, so you, you kind of, you're touching on something that I haven't seen yet, but this is what I think is really the killer for, for video games. And somebody just has to, you know, like bite the bullet and do it as even if it's an experiment, like 
nobody, I haven't seen a game yet that's going to have an open economy. And by that, I mean, instead of having a in-game currency, um, and maybe you can you know, sell that in-game currency for Bitcoin, why not just use sats as the in-game currency? Hmm. Like it's not an, in, it's not a, it wouldn't be an in-game economy. It would be part of the world economy. You know, it's it, it just, to me like that, whichever game company does that and opens up the game and realizes that, oh, okay, so we can't control the supply of the currency. People will have to bring it in themselves. And, you know, we won't be able to make money off of an ICO or whatever. But if they realize, if they, if they, think long-term, the ecosystem, the economic in-game ecosystem that will, will arise from that, from that freedom, I think will be absolutely massive. And there'll be ways for them to still capture value by providing value to the game. Like I think of like, um, have you read uh, Ready Player One? You know that yeah. book? Yeah. So in that book, like, like the, the Oasis is free or the, like the metaverse is free, but certain things that they charge for, like, you know, the, like Starship fuel, you know, I think they could do that. Like a game company could sell starship fuel and just allow bitcoin as the in-game currency and you know there would be other some people would do things like you know maybe someone builds spaceships and they provide value and they sell them for sats but like you know just again there needs to be one of these game companies that stops with these stupid walled gardens and just lets it be open and free and i, I and i feel like the, the same way that we all believe as bitcoiners that the world economy would be better off by just letting it be and letting bitcoin the, let, letting the hardest soundest money win i think the same would happen with an in-game economy like instead of trying to micromanage these things these uber complex systems like let let them manage themselves you know we've seen games that have actually like their economies have crashed because they've done stupid things you know so I don't know. We'll see. Off on a, a, a gaming tangent, but uh, I don't know. Excited for excited for what the future of Bitcoin gaming holds. That's for sure. No, I, I mean I think that's huge. It, and the the it's I mean the same idea. So like Swan lets you withdraw Bitcoin, uh, PayPal doesn't. You know, and, and as does you know other other institutions coming online. Like I don't think these banks that are going to be offering Bitcoin. Uh, services are going to allow for withdrawals immediately, but you're seeing that change where they're being forced to, um, because it it completely like it's like being able to buy a car and not being able to drive it, you know, and you just <laughs> like stare at it. It is it, like one of the dumbest um, models as a business. I think these games are going to be forced to to um, do that in the same way, and it's just a matter of time. Um, you'll probably see that start to happen you know, if not this year, in the next couple of years. And I think it'll happen pretty quickly, but it is. It just it, takes one unicorn game, man. It takes one killer game that does something that everyone else is already doing. It does it better and it's open and includes Bitcoin, you know, and then they're all going to wake up and say, if we want to compete, we got to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ready Player One is such a... Um, it just flips your brain upside down, imagining what the world could be like. And <laughs> I, yeah, that, that book's pretty crazy, but yeah, just putting that together with Bitcoin would be really interesting. Um, so you talked a little bit about liquid. Could you explain what uh, liquid is and, and what's happening there right now? I mean, liquid is basically like a federated sidechain, right? So it, it, the trust model is different. Um, I think the blocks come in what every two minutes, something like that. So it's faster. Um, but it's, uh, you know, 
I think it's primarily being used for like settling across exchanges. Like that was the main idea, but it does allow for a, a lot of things that are possible with, with shit with shit coins. You know, like you can issue tokens on them, you can issue security tokens, you can do NFTs. Um, but I think like the the key factor there is like contrast that with Ethereum, where like you know people play stupid games and the fees go up. Like this will be happening on Liquid and it won't affect the main chain of Bitcoin. You know, so for people who who don't require the absolute security of Bitcoin, but still want to operate on in the Bitcoin ecosystem so that it's seamless, um, you know, Liquid is a is a cool option. I'm you know again I'm still uh, exploring over there, but uh, you know. Seeing, seeing it as, as it evolves, I started playing uh, Samson Mao's uh, Infinite Fleet game. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's basically like a uh, an MMORPG in space where like, you know, you control a fleet of spaceships and you fly around and the ships are NFTs on Liquid. So you own them kind of, you or you own the cryptographic signature that they're associated with the, the ship in the game. I don't really want to get into the NFT thing, but um, <laughs> it, it's fun, you know, and uh, I, I think I think they have a currency other than Bitcoin. I don't know if it's a shit coin. I don't know how it's working. I think it will be swappable for Bitcoin instantly. So if I ever earn any currency, I'll be doing that. Um, but you know, it's a uh, it's cool. It's a it's a cool game, and uh, I'm excited for them to add more features as time goes by. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. It's still yeah. in like beta right now, so like all you can do is kind of fly around, shoot people, and mine asteroids. But uh, you know, I, I think they have big plans for it. There's a there's a great like backstory and storyline on online that you can go read up on. So it's uh it's fun. Yeah, I'll have to chat with Samson sometime about Bitcoin gaming. I know he's all about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, those those the video game just with how massive they're growing compared to you know probably what both of us grew up with is is absolutely astounding. Um, but yeah, as far let's get back to central bankers. Um, oh, I hate those my guys. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I think like one of the narratives going around right now is that if they weren't able to print money, people wouldn't have been able to eat um, during this pandemic. Um, you know, which it, it, it's kind of like a flawed argument. And I think it's one that's like hard to argue with on its face unless you like really deconstruct. Um, you know, the premise of what central banking is, but um, yeah. What, what do you think central banking's impacts are on the world as a whole? You know, it, it, it's, it's complicated, right? Like, like, like exactly what you were just diving into, you know, given this whole uh, COVID world, um, regardless of, you know, let's not get into the COVID side of things, but we're dealing with it, right? And people were dealing with lockdowns. And people, some people lost their jobs. Like, how do we deal with that? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to central banks, like the Bitcoiner would say like, no, all this money printing is terrible. It's bad. And I agree. Um, but that's in like a closed system. That's in a vacuum. And we're not living in a vacuum. So given all of the, 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 the screwed up shit that's happened in the world and having to actually deal with it, I couldn't see like... The central, they had to print more money. They had to do stimulus checks. Like there was nothing else they could have done. But that being said, the central banks are the root of the problem to begin with. You know, the fact that nobody has savings, that we're incentivized to spend, that, you know, 
people, what's the, I don't, people always say that the average American has like $200 in their bank account or something absurd. I forget what the number is, you know, but the idea is if we have a society built on sound money, that would not be the case. People would save, they would plan for the future and they would plan for, for emer quote unquote emergencies, like, I don't know, well, lockdowns, but, you know, emergencies in general, you know? Um, and so it's, it's complicated. If I was running things, like I'd probably advocate for, for stimulus checks too, maybe. I don't know, like, I don't know, what do you do? You know, how, how do you, you know, you, you have to help your people. And I don't know, like, that's why, kind of why I'm hoping like the transition to Bitcoin is smooth. It's not like, as, like I do want fiat to go away. I want the dollar to, to end, the petrodollar to end, but like, I don't want it to disappear overnight because, you know, we'd end up with a lot of starving people. It would be really, really bad. So I think this, it has to be gradual. And I lost my train of thought. What was the question about central banks? I just get angry when I hear central banks. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> What's their overall impact on the world? I mean, it, I, I can't quantify it, but it's incredibly negative. <laughs> I mean, manipulating the money supply, manipul manipulating prices, like we're supposed to live in a society with, 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 with free markets, but like, how can our markets be free when, when the very thing that allows markets to function is not free? You know, there's no price discovery. Like I, I go to the grocery store, prices are right. Like, I'm sorry, but there's inflation. Like they can tell me there's no inflation. There's freaking inflation and I'm seeing it happen. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just sad, you know, it's, it's this transition to handouts and nanny states and, and, I think we can do better. I, and I, if, if I, I don't want to quantify the, uh, the total impact because it would, it would probably just upset me. Yeah. And I'm not, not a mathematician, so it's, I can't quantify it at all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of the things you said, it, it, this is something I tell people all the time, why Bitcoin's so important based on its monetary policy. But one of the things you said about fiat money is that it incentivizes spending and uh, punishes savings. Why, why do you think savings are so important? You, you kind of touched on it, but yeah. Sure. I, I mean, like the concept of saving of, and more broadly of, you know, of delayed gratification and planning for the future is, has, is what's allowed us to, to become the society we are, you know, regardless of, you know, whether I think we've, we've stepped backwards with, with fiat money, you know, like in order to have a better tomorrow, you have to delay some gratification. That's just how everything works. And like, look at the classic example of someone like, I don't know if this was in the Bitcoin standard or sapiens, but like, you know, two people in ancient times, one of whom, you know, spends all day uh, trying to grab a fish out of the river with their hands, you know, and, and yeah, they get a fish, they eat, but they might go hungry some days when there are no fish. Or, you know, they, and they spend all day fishing, trying to grab a fish. Then there's the person who takes, you know, th two, three days, figures out how to make a fishing pole or how to make a, a net. And they capture, I don't know, 10 fish at once. And, you know, it takes them half the time or quarter of the time, you know, like that's how society progresses by, you know, by putting resources away, uh, today and you and planning and using them for things that will make our lives better tomorrow. Um, and I, I feel like it's not a difficult concept. Like, I think people understand it. It's just like, we're driven by our incentives and by the systems that we live in. And when those systems are, are have 
misaligned incentives, like it, it's hard for people not to, you know, not to take on debt and go buy that flat screen because, oh, it's so easy. You know, they don't think about the consequences. So yeah. it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like savings, like you're describing is taking the time to stop fishing and go and create the net, which can be a lengthy process, you know, for go fish for the present to hopefully have more success in the future. And mm -hmm. and that is the converse opposite of that. It's the idea of uh, borrowing from the future for the present. And one of the things that's really interesting is how we are inundated with debt um, so early on, you know, like you turn 18, 17, 18, get, graduate high school, get ready to go to school. We're all priced out of paying for a college education unless, um, you know, you have wealthy, a wealthy family that can pay for it or, or get lucky or maybe not lucky, work hard and get a scholarship. But the majority of Americans, you know, are just like presented with this insane amount of debt. Uh, to pay for that college degree or, you know, for people that don't go to college, it's, it's same thing with a, buying a house or buying mm -hmm. a car or, you know, you can buy this iPhone for $700 or you can finance it for however many months. Um, and it's really crazy just how uh, that works. And then when you're talking about the incentives of, of, of borrowing, you know, if you, it, it makes sense to a certain degree, if the money is going to be worth less in the future, um, that means that your debt is going to be worth less in the future. You know, and I think that's um, kind of what drives that incentive to borrow. Uh, yeah, it, which... it is. It, it is interesting. You know, all everything's perverse. Like I, I recently went to, to lease a car um, and the lease was far more expensive now than, it, than my previous lease because of all the supply chain issues and, and everything that's going on in the world. And I was like, shit, I'm getting less car from, for about the same amount of money. And then I realized to myself, I was like, wait a second, if inflation is going to do what, what it's doing, by the end of this lease, uh, I'll be like the purchasing power of what I'm spending on this car won't actually be as high as it is now. So, all right, I'm okay with this, <laughs> which is it's just hilarious, a hilarious way to think. You know the value of the debt going down but you know all of all of society is leveraged our government is leveraged like it's just it's it's a problem and i'm not opposed to debt like i think it, it's good for you know for certain cases like somebody who has a brilliant idea and can execute on that idea and, and create a company let's say like and they have no money and it would take them i don't know year like 100 years to save up the money to start start something like that like great but like we're misallocating capital now like there's so much debt that we can misallocate capital to really bad ideas and just throw money at the wall and see what sticks when in a society built on sound money like you would have like someone who a bank let's say or private individuals who would loan out money would have to really do even more due diligence and say okay you know what this is an idea worth funding and i'm going to fund it and take that risk versus now where like you know, I feel like VCs just throw money left and right at whatever, you know, I'm not that they don't do due diligence, but they're not doing it like as if there was, you know, if there was no debt then, or if there was a lot less debt in the world, they would have to take, take their time um, and do a lot more thinking before, you know, investing in the next greatest thing. Yeah. The next shit coin or garbage well, company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is really, uh, you know, there's some people that have, uh, uh, 
ideas and predictions that a Bitcoin standard will completely eliminate debt. But I, I think your presentation of like, it'll just change the way that debt is done is uh, I think that's pretty awesome and, you know, realistic because in, in sound money um, societies, we've seen debt before. Um, so I think the complete elimination of it isn't, you know, mm -hmm. a good prediction, but. I mean, but, a lot yeah. of the reason why, like we used to have, like even when we were on a gold standard, I think you know there was still debt. But it, what was funny is a lot of it was issued by private individuals and not banks. And then when banks realized that they could capture it, things changed. So it's uh, a yeah. there's, there's a lot of shenanigans going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I tell people that the Fed or lowered the reserve requirements of banks from ten percent to zero percent during the pandemic, they get pretty uh, surprised and astonished. And then you know, and I also tell them. Yeah, their their loans are insured up to like ninety percent right now, so they can just put the put out these garbage loans um, and essentially like take on no risk. And, and it's, people just need to go watch The Big Short and realize that nothing, absolutely nothing, has changed except that uh, Bitcoin's in a better position, or Bitcoins are actually around. <coughs> yeah, I mean, why why do you think they're like we we both live under the assumption like Bitcoin is gonna really take over. Why do you think that plebs like us are able to front run these like really smart individuals? <laughs> uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I, a lot of the let's say really rich individuals because not all of them are smart. Like they're <laughs> they're they're in their their uh, ivory towers. They're very busy. Like, uh, you know, somebody like Ray Dalio, let's say, okay, you know, Ray Dalio doesn't have the time to sit down and read 100 Bitcoin books. He just doesn't, you know, he's probably presented with a million different things. He probably gets, you know, a summary of what he needs to, to read, you know, prepped by his, uh, by people who work for him. And then he skims that. And I'm sure he does due diligence before putting money into something, but like, to really understand and grok Bitcoin, like we were talking about this earlier, it takes a long time. And so, you know, Plebs, like, actually, you know what? I don't know. Maybe that's bullshit because, like, you know, plebs are hardworking. They got jobs. They got lives. Like, they've got other things to do. So maybe it's just that that comfort of being at the top of uh, the top of the pyramid and thinking that you're untouchable and that the system is working for you. And so why should you even consider a new system? And I don't know. You know, and, you know we saw Michael Saylor do it, so it is possible. But I doubt he would have done it without COVID. You know, the guy was you know, on lockdown, like the rest of us probably had a lot of, a lot more free time than he used to. And, you know, there's Bitcoin, the solution that he was looking for that many of us are looking for. So yeah, I don't know. And, you know, there's also the idea that, you know, I think I just touched on this, but like, if the system is working for you, then you're, you're not incentivized to, to look for something that's going to tear down everything that you've built, like, like bankers, like, why are they some some? Why were they some of the last people to to get on board with this? And even now, like I think Citigroup is about to, you know, is is diving into Bitcoin too. Like, you know, Bitcoin threatens what they're up to. And you know, if, if Bitcoin threatened what I was doing, I probably wouldn't. First, I wouldn't take it seriously. And then once I did, I would probably try to think of ways to fight it before I actually gave up and threw my hands up and said, "Screw it, I'll join him." You know, so it, it's a process and. Um, even like I'm a recovering shitcoiner. Like I found Bitcoin. I was there. I was this close. I could have gone down the rabbit hole, but I didn't. And you know, I fell into these other these stupid traps. And uh, 
you know, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. And if you don't have someone there to really guide you and, and, you know, force you to go down the rabbit hole, then, you know, you, you could walk right past the rabbit hole and only find it later. So. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I was a lone wolf for a while. Um, and probably it was a big reason why I was a shit coiner for a bit. And as soon as I started getting around other Bitcoiners and getting legitimate arguments on things, um, and really understanding the way that it worked. I mean, the Bitcoin standard was a huge, huge monumental book for me as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's so, so incredibly important not to take advice from, you know, all these influencers on YouTube that are trying to pump these shit coins and, you know, it, to curb your greed a little bit to, to actually learn about the underlying, uh, um, qualities of the different assets that you're investing in and why Bitcoin is a superior one. Um, but yeah, so what are some good educational resources for people? Like say, say somebody opens up, you know, an exchange account They're you know, buy like $10 worth. Where, where would you point them to start? Well, obviously Swan, but I'm biased. <laughs> I mean, what, what I like to do um, so we give away Jan, Jan Pritzker's book, Inventing Bitcoin. We give it away for free. You don't have to be a customer. You can just go to swanbitcoin.com slash free book. Um, you'll be on our mailing list and we do hope you sign up as a customer, but um, you know, there's no, there's no real pressure there. And to me, like that book is like a two to three hour read. Um, we had, we did the audio book too. And it explains like not only why Bitcoin is important, but how it works. Um, so I think that's a great place to start. You know, the Bitcoin standard obviously is like the, one of the, it's part of the pantheon of great Bitcoin literature and everyone should read it. Um, Nick Batia's new book, Layered Money. I think that that paired with uh, Seyfedean's book is, is a fantastic combo. Um, I, re I really, really loved um, Alex Gladstein's article on the petrodollar. Um, I think that it's, if for someone who doesn't understand how money works in the world, like those two books I mentioned, plus that article uh, is just like a, that's a, that's really a killer combo. And then toss in Nick Carter's new article that was in the, uh, the Harvard business review. Like that's just a killer combo. It gets into the, the whole energy FUD thing, which is, you know, probably a concern that most, a lot of newbies might have. Um, so those are good. I still, I haven't reread it in a while. I still really liked, um, Antonopoulos's the internet of money. Um, like I still remember, I remember exactly where I was. I was doing a road trip and I was listening to the audio book and like, it's like sappy, but like tears were coming down, streaming down my face. I was just like having that Bitcoin epiphany and I was just like seeing the future and I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. So like his early stuff, his Bitcoin focused stuff is still great. Um, how, do, how to, what other resources are there? I don't know, that's a good start. Listen to the, the, uh, the Tucson Bitcoin podcast, listen to the rabbit hole recap to get a sense of things. Um, don't forget about the Bitcoin white paper important to read too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of those are super great. Gladstein's article on the petrodollar was just unbelievable. I mean, that, that should be like taught in schools. Um, mm -hmm. that's like the quality. I mean, all of it is all, all the resources you listed are, are just so incredible. Um, yeah, it's. As far as like Bitcoin media, how do you, I, I was just recently interviewed by the local news and got a five second slot, you know, and the whole story was on Dogecoin and it was really dumb and they misrepresented um, sure. <laughs> the things I said. Uh, 
how do you see Bitcoin changing the media environment in the future? I don't. Hmm. What What do you mean by that? Like, how do we like? Can you expand the question a little bit? Like, how do you see it change? Like, yeah, I mean, what what we see today is like just the media sucks. You know. Yeah all around it's it's a bunch of grifters you know trying to drive whatever point they have um and not really like develop a story i i think there's some genuinely really good journalists out there um but there there's a few and i think that's kind of a a result of like the fiat environment you know of like just this low or sorry high time preference um yeah, you know chasing drive, a, drive clicks and yeah okay so I actually don't think Bitcoin is going to change the media environment. I think Bitcoiners are going to change the media environment. Slight difference. Like, I think what's going to happen is that some journalists are going to wake up to Bitcoin. We're seeing that already. Um, like even at Swan, like we've made some great relationships with journalists and, and some of them are customers. And, you know, hmm. it just, you just have to become a Bitcoiner. And then, you know, I think that might shift your priorities just a little bit like yeah there's going to be those grifters and those people who are just driving clicks and they'll be the last ones to the party to learn about bitcoin um, but then there's going to be others who, who understand it and hopefully you know have some journalistic integrity and you know want to spread the honest truth about bitcoin um, so i think it, it it takes more of what we're what we've all been doing it, it and it takes propaganda you know like we have to speak to everyone in a way that they understand we have to get them to understand uh, you know, that Bitcoin doesn't waste energy, first of all. Um, so it, I think it just takes time and, and continued effort. And I don't know, the, the propaganda thing's interesting. We're actually, um, it happened like spontaneously last night. Um, a bunch of us started tweeting about sats instead of Bitcoin. And I don't know if you've seen, seen them yet. I'll, I'll send you some after the show that like, <laughs> I basically would. So remember how I said earlier that I used to like lampoon the, the crypto in influencers. Like that's kind of how I first started making memes and things like that. And I think I'm going to run that back. You know, I, I'm seeing it's the, it's the bull run all over again. I'm seeing these influencers tweeting nonsense. Uh, oh, pick up this hidden gem. It's going to moon, blah, 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 all this bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm, I've started doing this. I'm going to do the same thing with sats. We're going to meme sats. Even if they think it's another coin, I don't care. It opens up a conversation about, satoshis about unit bias and about getting people to think about different bitcoin in a different way so if you see me doing some absolutely absurd ridiculous tweets in the coming days uh that's what i'm doing um and hopefully maybe we lampoon these uh influencer morons and uh get them to realize how dumb they look or at least get their fans to realize how, how stupid this stuff is so yeah i don't know i mean i think with propaganda we can and we should use it. We just have to be mindful, like not to lie, not to you know misrepresent Bitcoin in a bad way. You know, false Bitcoin narratives, I think, are are really bad for Bitcoin. You know, moon juice is good, but if moon, if it's moon juice that's unsupported, um, it can backfire. It can be really bad, and it's not a good look for Bitcoin. So you know, leaning into what Bitcoin is is uh, I think the, the smart way forward, and trying to nip these you know narratives that don't hold water trying to nip those in the bud before they really take off and kind of pollute the waters is, is also smart yeah i mean the unit bias is real and that was the news story they they had some random guy that thought he missed the train on bitcoin that's why he bought doge but yeah when these people figure out that uh um bitcoin's trait 
Wait, wait, I don't know. What's Moscow time right now? Uh, it's up. It's up a little bit. It's like seventeen hundred, sixteen hundred sats per dollar right now. My, my block clock's on on the block right now, so I gotta wait a few minutes before it cycles through. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, and and sats are like one sat is much cheaper than Doge. So go mm -hmm. out there and uh, buy sats, people. That's a good meme. Yeah, it's a huge meme. Well, I mean, I think that's incredibly important because people think that they're you know they see bitcoin as a stock you know and they have the, like the same idea of like i can't buy one whole one so what's really the point um and they think they're priced out of it but the, it it isn't I mean, that's dude, not the way it works yeah i did these these a couple of tweets yesterday like i was saying in this morning and i had one guy respond like what sats where can i buy this coin is it on binance and i'm just like Actually, a sat is, you know, the smallest denomination of a Bitcoin and there are 100,000 sats in a Bitcoin or 100 million sats in a Bitcoin, excuse me, you know, and he was like, oh, thanks. And then I sent him the, you know, the, the link to Jan's book. Like there are people who are getting in who are new, who know absolutely nothing about Bitcoin and that's fine, you know, but that also means that we're not doing a good enough job of getting this information out there. Like, yeah. well, I think, uh, sorry, Bitcoiners, but I think a lot of us are sitting on our laurels. I think we're happy with how Bitcoin works and that's fine, but We've got billions of people out there who need to learn about Bitcoin and we could be doing more. And, uh, you know, go teach your friends about Satoshis. Just ask them if they know what a Satoshi is. And if they say no, well, there you go. Now you've got a conversation to have. Love it. Love the meme. Where are some good places people can follow your work? Um, I'm just, I'm on Twitter these days. Um, my website is vonbitcoin.com. I, I don't, my, the artwork that I do, I haven't, uh, I need to get that up on the website. So I'll, I'll be updating that eventually, but uh, you can find me on the Swan Signal uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Swan Signal. We do our show every Friday. Uh, that's Swan Lounge and Swan Show with the Swan Signal with Brady is uh, every other Tuesday now. And yeah, my DMs are open. Always happy to help and talk Bitcoin and share advice and You'll see me at uh, Bitcoin 2021. I'll be there. Swan is doing a, uh, a big uh, geodesic dome. We'll be doing a whole media show out of there, which would be great. Um, I think I might be co-hosting the, the Mint Gox live esports tournament as well. Um, nice. I'm terrible at gaming, but apparently I'm good for comic relief. So I help out time to time. <laughs> yeah, they'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, real quick before we end, that's the interesting thing about like CSGO, for example, like if you're a bad player before, like they would just call you a noob and like shame you out of the game. Now they're just happy to take your sats. It totally reimagines gaming. And it's, <laughs> so you can actually pay them to teach you how to get, be, be better. So nice. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I just, I've got some friends that are poker players and they always love to invite new people to take their money from them. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on, Brecky. This is fun. Thanks, Alex. It was a good time. That was a great conversation with Brecky, and he is just an absolute legend in the Bitcoin space. I mean, his meme of uh, uh, promoting sats is just hilarious to me. But it, it, it's a real thing. People don't realize that you can buy fractions of Bitcoin, and they don't realize how early they are to the party. And uh, it's you know, really unfortunate. Everybody's going to make the same mistakes where they wish they bought it way back in the past and they thought they were too late. It's just the same revolving uh, door of nonsense, you know, where people aren't able to 
to really see what what's actually going on here and then they get sucked into shit coins and then they get burned and then they you know feel, feel hurt in the end but yeah anyways go follow brecky um he's got some great memes that are coming out and uh check out freeross.org you know if you want to make a difference and uh i mean this is like at the point of criminal justice reform you know where the state just locks people up for the rest of their life you know for pretty much absolutely no reason you know like ross you know you can you can have your moral opinions on on what he was doing uh but two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years probably not um in the slightest you know reasonable or fair and uh yeah hopefully get him out we need to make some noise and and he is in tucson so anyways thanks for checking out the podcast hope you have a good one